Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What could be Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome back to another exciting instalment of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. It's episode 31, no less. We're uh, we're well into the dirty 30s on this podcast. We're here, we made it, we are, we're seeing out November and welcoming December. The end of this year is in sight, Christmas He's coming, even though the Coca-Cola van's been cancelled. That's a thing. Um, but this week, on the journey to true Cage Nirvana, we have uh, another lovely guest, another lovely treat for you in the form of Well Douglas, a.k.a. Tat Vision. Uh, and if you don't know about uh, Tat Vision and what they do, well, um, the clues are kind of in the title. They take um, what you might consider as tat and make just wonderful weird and wacky art out of it um personally speaking i've been a fan of wells for quite a while now and uh when i was reaching out to seeing about getting more people on the podcast start getting some more guests on um well was one of the first people that i reached out to and to my continued pleasure and surprise he agreed to join me on the journey to true cage nirvana um so in this episode we have um a lovely chat about uh, city of angels we talk about cage the potential sequels to this film and all the weird and weird weird things that angels get up to him in the meantime as well um had a lot of fun talking to well a really really nice guy but please do go check him out uh, over on these social medias at tat vision at Twitter, T-A-T-V-I-S-I-O-N, at TatVision on Twitter, at Instagram, Tat underscore Vision, and also, of course, please do go check out his online store, tatvision.bigcartel.com, where you can get everything from custom Christmas baubles, custom clave sculptures, paper mache heads, tattoos, it's ooze with tat in it, and what more could you want, and you can get a felt tip pen portrait. So nothing but credit and respect to uh, for bringing back felt tips into the mainstream of the arts, um, doing the, the Lord's work in terms of artistry as we are doing the Lord's work here in terms of um, going through all the Cage films. But as ever, before we get into this episode, you can find me on the old social medias over on Twitter, at cage underscore podcast instagram at cage rage pod and you can listen to the show across spotify amazon music google podcast stitcher and pod chaser if you enjoyed the episode uh, please do share it around if people might you think might like it uh bring them my way there's always room for more on the journey to true cage nirvana but without further ado let's get stuck into the business as we discuss city of angels enjoy 
It's 1998, and this week we cast our holy eyes upon the 1988 romantic fantasy City of Angels. It's a loose remake of the 1987 film Wings of Desire, but in City of Angels we instead get Nicolas Cage as Seth, an angel whose job it is to take the recently deceased to heaven. Soon he finds himself falling in love with Dr. Maggie Rice, a human heart surgeon, and then must decide between his role as an angel or becoming a human in order to be with her. Now, joining me on the journey to true Cage Nirvana this week to discuss if this angel is flying high to heaven or crashing down to earth is artist extraordinaire and master of all things Tat. It's Well Douglas, aka Tat Vision. How are you doing today? Hello, pleasure to be on. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, I think I think I'm good. Been lazing around all day today. It's been nice. <laughs> so you get you get that kind of lazy. Uh, that post lays where you think, has it been good to be so lazy or should I have done something? Is it the yeah. kind of lays guilt almost? I mean, I went out on my bike earlier and uh, I was partly tempted to do the, uh, the bit in uh, City of Angels with Meg Ryan. Um, <laughs> Closes her eyes and outstretches her hands. But um, I figure that might go uh, quite awry. So um, I, I closed <laughs> for a bit and then like opened them and it was fine. So it was good. I'm here yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, very freeing to just sort of go no handlebars, but it's, you know, is it going to be the same results as um, as Meg Ryan? Obviously, my question, how fast was she going um, yeah. to, to get that? I wish I could still um, cycle. I make it sound like I've had some kind of tragic accident, but um, not on Meg Ryan levels. But uh, when I had a bike a few years ago, I'd uh, chained it outside the place where I worked, went back after my shift and literally only the bike seat had been uh, stolen yeah uh, <laughs> i think honestly even to this day like years later i would have been less offended if they'd just taken the whole bike um <laughs> the seat was worth about 10 pounds so riding yeah. back on just the frame um you know i don't want to get so blue so early it looked <laughs> like i it was part of me um yeah. so very uh very challenging um but obviously, I hope this film wasn't too much of a challenge for you. Um, some people find Nicolas Cage a challenge. So I always love to ask guests on the podcast. Uh, for yourself, what is, uh, is your view, really, of Nicolas Cage as man, as actor? Uh, do you rate him or do you not, not think he's all, all that? Oh, yeah, 100% rate him. Um, just going on from, like, a lot of childhood 90s, movies like from blockbuster as a kid kind of thing including sitting of angels which i didn't really like at the time um but i think he's just been on some like versatile movies um like a lot of the action as a kid but then like uh recently well more recently like adaptation and stuff like that where he's got more things to chew on so and then he just like completely phones it in because he's in so much debt so i mean <laughs> really it's a job like a carpenter so sometimes Carpenters take really shit jobs. Sometimes they take jobs in fancy mansions. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's looking for his he's doing the same. But at least yeah. Nicolas Cage does about one really decent film a year and then about seven or eight terrible ones. So, we're <laughs> doing it. Whereas Bruce Willis is completely gone straight to DVD and just flops all the time. Yeah, it's the, um, I don't want to coin a term, the Bruce Willis effect, but, you know, <laughs> where, where does anyone go after Die Hard, to be honest with you? Um, 
I think Cage has had his fair share of uh, straight to DVDs. I remember a period when I was at university, sort of 2011, 12, when I think um, every other week I went in, there was a new Cage film on the shelf <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. But part of me was like, well, at least he's still working. I said, it wasn't aware at the time of the uh, debt he was in, but I think that's uh, that's sort of what happens when you end up buying dinosaur bones that's actually belong yeah. to, <laughs> that are actually that happens, illegal. Yeah, was it a mansion in Bath or something like that as well? Yeah, this is all the joy of sort of talking about Cage and just finding that he's um, all these assets to him, that he's a big fan of England. Um, yeah. A friend of mine who I had on the podcast a few weeks ago says he's got like a place in uh, Glastonbury, not too far from him, swears he saw him in a kebab shop once. <laughs> it's, just, it's one of those things, so it's it's like almost like the... Uh, like a random cage generator, you take him any location, any situation, and he wouldn't bat an eyelid. No, um, that's true. Yeah. He's yeah. Extra- extraordinary man. And I was discussing the other week as well that he, uh, I think it's 2009, he turned on the Christmas lights in Bath, which seemed to be a huge... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, it was meant to be uh, Russell Howard and then uh, Nicholas Cage was just in the area, so they just invited him instead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd, I think I just imagine that, that you're getting like one of... I think whether you like him or not, Britain's one of Britain's top comics, like Russell Howard can't you could do it, but we've got Nicolas Cage instead. Yeah, yeah, oh God, so good when I heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was saying that a friend of mine went to a university in Bath, and when he told me the year it happened, um, I didn't believe him. No. I was, I was like, of all the, pl- like, nothing against Bath, Bath's a beautiful city, but like, surely, you know, if Cage is going to go to, um, Dare I say one of the, the big three in England, London, Manchester, Birmingham. Um, I'd like to think Birmingham, uh, ourselves being sort of fellow uh, Brummies, that he would be welcomed with open arms in Birmingham. You'd hope so. Yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I sort of imagine that um, um, obviously your realm of expertise is the world of tat. I would like to think that Nicolas Cage would um, fit into that realm. Yeah, I suppose it's all about... Uh... I don't know, things which are quite cheap, cheaply made sometimes, but uh, have a bit of charm. So you could say that about some of his, uh, some of his movies anyway, where he gives it all, but the, uh, the movie's not quite uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, it's glad to know that on you know, a human level, uh, Cage and Tat go hand in hand. Um, <laughs> but with some, with some of his films, as we say, that's... Uh, I think they've got a, there's something nice about them even though they're not always the best um and with all the yeah. films that he's done um i suppose going back for, for your cage history uh, what would be sort of the, the first sort of cage film that you remember seeing and when he first came onto your your radar um i would say maybe as a kid uh from memory i think maybe i watched like bits of moonstruck but i think it's too boring so <laughs> yeah uh, like uh you know the um Con Air or Face Off, that kind of area, or The Rock. One of those three where it's like the uh, trilogy of uh, fantastic 90s action films. So I'm going to say The Rock more than anything. I think uh, I've seen that as a kid. Yeah. Um, I, I always sort of like to bring this up how um, if you take Leaving Las Vegas into consideration before that as well, when you had Leaving Las Vegas, The Rock, uh, Con Air and Face Off, what what a four film streak to have for any actor. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, but it always it, it sort of baffles me as well that um, obviously he's won the uh, 
the Golden Globe and the Academy Award for Best Actor for Leaving Las Vegas, has three incredible action films, really secures himself as an action star. And then he does the complete opposite and goes into City of Angels afterwards, <laughs> just yeah. completely wanting to flip the script, um, <laughs> which I think that, that makes him... You just don't know what he's going to do next, which is part of the charm Definitely. of him for me. Yeah, he's a very unconventional uh, leading man in a romantic film. Uh, there was a scene in it where Meg Ryan calls him beautiful, and he's like, he's interesting, but I won't say. <laughs> a little research said, like, I think if I was trying to get Johnny Depp in it beforehand, and it's like, he's a beautiful man, but Nicolas Cage, you know, he's got a face like a wasp. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you if you put a wasp under a microscope and you saw Cage's face, um, <laughs> and you probably recoil a little bit and be like, "Oh yeah, okay, that that kind of makes sense." I was, it's interesting. I was chatting to someone about this the other day because um, I think if we take into account sort of the period of time these films came out, when he was arguably one of the biggest actors in the world at that point, but then. I know for some people, when we look back now, especially with like a hindsight and um, a twenty twenty vision, almost excuse the pun, but uh, Nicolas Cage is a leading man, especially in romantic roles. A lot of people just don't just don't find it believable. And I suppose with you declaring him maybe the king of the wasps, who knows? Um, <laughs> is that would you say now that you just you just can't see Cage as um, sort of like romance material? Um, I think it just depends on the script. I mean, like, uh, Raised in Arizona, I think there's a bit of, like, romantic comedy elements to it, but, like, in a Coen Brothers style. And, like, he, you know, he did something which was magical on that, and, like, he did believe the romance, and, like, he was a com- unconventional kind of, like, uh, lead for a romantic film, but that kind of tied in with a, a Coen Brothers movie, whereas uh, City of Angels is, like, uh, it's a, a weird drama fantasy with a lot of cheeseball factors kind of thing in there but I suppose there is like other films where he plays that police officer who wins the lottery but I don't really remember much of that one so. yeah that that one seemed very um restrained for him you can sort of, it's it's weird because I don't I have no doubt that he is a good actor obviously he's got the awards to prove it but there are some times when like you can tell he wants to go straight from a two to an 11 yeah yeah he's very much um some people enjoy the journey of destination A to destination B, but um, he's not a journeyman. He's a destination kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, thought, yeah. He's quite restricted in this until like uh, towards the end where he, he fell off the building and then he had a bit of a mad rant, which was a bit refreshing, but I just think, I don't know, the way he part, played it was uh, going around looking quite uh, sad and confused and then smelling people's hair and touching them. <laughs> I mean, I was sort of thinking, well, with, with with some scenes in this, um, is this anything you could you would tat up and change um, in a tap, in a very sort of tap vision esque way? Um, I, I think there should have been some sort of. Uh, I think I was getting mixed up with like adjustment bureau, uh, but I don't think I've seen that either. But I thought there was some sort of battle between Angels and Nicolas Cage, but maybe I just made that up in my head or stopped watching it as a child. So I just like, uh, I don't know, maybe, uh, yeah, some sort of like weird uh, Matrix X battle between the Angels and Nicolas Cage trying to get his freedom. That'd be good. And uh, maybe uh, 
like a, a scream and like um, shouting to God with Meg Ryan's corpse in his hands would be quite nice and thunderstorms like really like letting loose of his his anger. Yeah, really, really just play it up a bit more. Yeah. If, if we're gonna really amplify the uh, uh, the scent of angel to human, or maybe the, the ascent of angel to human, then um, I think he did. He had every emotion. I think other than thunderstorm screams. Yeah, um, which I think I think I agree that this film was missing. Um, but I, I, I always I always find it interesting with Cage as well because he tends to do a lot of. Um, remakes um such as like the wicker man remake actually yes i i wasn't aware that this was a remake but so my brief research into it it's like a german um german film it's set in berlin uh that is widely accredited to be sort of like a masterful film it's uh, critically applauded all over the place it's won numerous awards um even best director at the Cannes film festival in 1987 my favourite difference between that film to the one we've got in 1998. Uh, now in this version, he meets uh, Nathaniel Messenger, a very on-the-nose named former angel turned human. But apparently, and this is one of those things where I kind of think that sounds like someone's made it up without me seeing it. Instead of Nathaniel, they got um, the guy who played Columbo as himself, Peter Falk, um, oh, to wow. be to be a former angel he's come yeah. to earth and he's found a career in colombo apparently what a journey wow. <laughs> <laughs> what was that one called you say wings wings of, uh, wings of desire which i feel um again after seeing this that might be the palate cleanser yeah that sounds really good because um yeah seeing the uh that messenger character like portrayed by uh I don't know, he always just reminds me of Die Hard 2 when he's just like the aggressive cop who, um, I don't know, it was like the folly to uh, Bruce Willis saying like, I don't believe you about terrorists and then just like being really angry. And then it's quite weird seeing him like basically explain everything and know what was going on and then being really nice. It's just like, it's a bit of a weird mismatch for me. I was thinking about Die Hard a lot during it because I think I was quite... Trying to think of a better movie. And then he had no shoes as well, so that reminded me of Die Hard. But, um, yeah, I think maybe I'm just thinking about Die Hard too much. Well, we are um, we are quickly approaching December, and I'm sure at some point the old is it is it not a Christmas film debate will rear its head That's true, once yeah. again. Yeah. Um, so I don't know where you stand on the on the Die Hard debate whilst we're at it. Christmas film, not a Christmas film? Definitely a Christmas film, yeah, 100%. Well, I'll take that, Bruce Willis, if you're listening. It is a Christmas film. <laughs> what is he now? What, it's, so what? You were in it, and it was based in December. Well, I've yeah. loved less of your attitude, sir. But yeah, I found, I suppose just getting into this film a bit now, with the angels in this, it, to my notes, um, they did a lot of peeping. Yeah, it's very weird, just more leering and looking. That's why I thought they'll do something a bit more, or get a bit more angry. But uh, I think maybe I was getting mixed up with like Jacob's Ladder, where it was just like the, uh, the you know, like demon forces. I don't know. For some reason, I thought it'd be like terrible but great special effects of the uh, angels using their powers for not evil, but like trying to sort out Nicolas Cage's trying to become human kind of thing. Yeah, they seem very weird yet passive. Um, I think if you're going to sort of make this film a bit more interesting, then sort of 
have uh, a drink of your choice every time an angel just leers in a black jacket or just appears and peeps. Um, yeah. They seem to love the library, the angels. That's it. They said that's their home, so it's just like, okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, nothing against the library, um, but they can be anywhere at any time. They're usually peeping behind someone or there's a comforting hand on the shoulder even though you can never tell if they're if they're interested or entirely disinterested in the human race um and then you've got uh cassiel played by uh, andre bro it's a captain holt from brooklyn 99 he was he was doing yeah. a bit of peeping as well he was like it's like oh i recognize him and then kind of thing and then like uh like, oh yeah yeah it's like brooklyn 99 but he was quite good in it but like he was just peeping and then I loved the bit when he was smiling for ages in the beach and it was very cheesy and uh, quite like <laughs> especially when it lingers for a bit too long. Yeah, <laughs> it's it like you've done I, it, Nicholas Cage, you've done it. <laughs> yeah, he was really even though it seems like he wasn't bothered at all, he was properly rooting for yeah. um, for Seth to peep. Definitely. Do you reckon it needed like some sort of uh, antagonist? Because it had like a uh, Meg Ryan's boyfriend character who just was there. Uh, he wasn't necessarily like a douchebag or, or anything like that. He was just, yeah, basically there. I don't know, do you reckon it would make it, made it a better film if there was? Um, I don't know. There didn't seem like a lot of obstacles that anyone really had to overcome. Because um, <laughs> yeah. um, Meg Ryan, um, I think the partner was Jason and... Nicholas Cage was just peeping at them having a relationship. I think his sort of motivation seemed a little, I don't know, weak for me because he has yeah. a few conversations like, oh, I wonder what it's like to touch things and eat a cake. And then he... Um, pears. He loves his pears, man. He loves pears. He's like, uh, can you describe a pear for me? It's like, oh, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like a sandy fruit. And then he's absolutely just raging for pears. Yeah. I mean, like, I think he should have pushed it further when he kept collecting more and more pears. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe he could have done something which, you know, like the uh, the counting, the uh, alphabet scene in like Vampire's Kiss. Yeah. Like, mad about pears, pears. <laughs> it's like pears, 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 pears. <laughs> yeah. Even if he'd just become, I don't even know, a pear farmer by the end of it. Then he yeah, would have... yeah, that'd be really nice. Very cheesy scene. <laughs> and he'd gone on to write some um, academic papers about the qualities of pears, or yeah. a groundbreaking pear, call it Maggie's uh, pear or something. I hope that doesn't sound, sound too seedy. Call it Maggie's farm. Oh man, that makes sense. <laughs> what place? Play, Bob Dylan, Maggie's farm plays, and that's the end. <laughs> I've, I think it would have been a more uh, well-rounded or pear-shaped ending. Hey. Um, that's that's what we do here. We go for the cheap ones. We go for the cheap pears. But yeah, like like I say, it seemed like the only reason he wanted to become a human or at least got obsessed with Maggie was because um, he just happened to come into her realm of orbit, was watching her do some heart surgery and thought that knowing that he couldn't be seen, he was like, oh, she looked at me. He was like, well, you, you were staring at her eyes for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts about his, his motivations were to, uh, to make the, take the fall 
maybe it was like uh, the fact, like what he wanted was love and touch. And then the opening is like um, Maggie, Maguire, having a heart, human heart where love comes from and like really touching and squeezing it while human eye contact. So it's like, that's exactly what I want. I want to touch things and I want to feel things in my heart. So maybe it was like, I'm onto something here. Maybe that's the one to uh, do it. Yeah, it's like I've watched um, I've watched a professional do their job, and I want her to quite physically reach into my chest and massage my uh, my angel's glowing <laughs> heart as well. Yeah. For I mean, for Maggie as well. Um, I mean, she seemed to have a good thing with Jason. The only thing that came apart was because um, she didn't actually get the Steinbeck book from him it was just planted there by cage and i think he didn't um she didn't want to marry him or they had a bit slight difference on marriage um honestly i I just imagine that conversation though when you're like look we're at different stages in our life i'm now seeing an angel yeah (laughs) i'd have to be like right i'm just gonna i'm just gonna need to take five minutes here just to process the second part of what you said (laughs) so even if you like you're seeing someone else or this isn't working that's fine but let's quantify the uh the angelic nature because that's a bold statement (laughs) (laughs) really bold and then when he i sort of enjoyed when he he starts making himself appear a bit more as well um and when he's getting into experiencing these human sensations, um, I sort of read up here saying that um, because he took this role, he wanted to take more, I think the key word here is profound roles. I don't know if you describe his, <laughs> his role as profound, um, but he said that the script had an impact on him when he first read it. And in terms of his method, um, which is described as usually lots of movement and obviously lots of shouting, as we've been saying, um, he was trying to be more effective by being still and take this sort of childlike wonder and being impressed by basic things like rain and sunlight. I mean, I, I don't know if you if you felt that same sense of wonder that he was trying to convey. Definitely, uh, yeah, I thought that because it was very childlike and he always had like, um, I don't know, his eyes can go like... Uh, uh, downwards or upwards and his eyes were very upwards so it's quite like um yeah wonder and awe about him he was very childlike in nature i was thinking like what if he did the uh, superman film with tim burton because tim burton was saying like he's just like a weird alien and uh he has no connection with other people so i was kind of like uh, envisioning him as superman during the same time as well so there's a lot going on because I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, now that you mention that, um, so it brings up a few things, but it makes you wonder, uh, would this have been um, the run that we would have had in, in Superman with him just similar but m- more mulleted, if you've ever seen the uh, the tester pictures? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I always find that sort of fascinating that, we were inches away from getting Cage as Superman. Um, I, I'm one of those, oh, what if, what could have been kind yeah. of people. But... Alternative reality kind of thing. It has <laughs> somewhere. It's not this reality. 
<laughs> yeah, the, there was there was a reality somewhere where 2020 went smoothly. Kay just made Superman film after Superman film. <laughs> Everyone in their local um, sort of independent cinemas or cinemas is standing, just throwing popcorn everywhere, going <laughs> yes. But um, <laughs> I suppose with that as well, with a, with some of the roles that you didn't get, and looking at Superman, um, would would you have would you have been on board? Okay, just Superman. Because I, I know when I bring that up now, people are like, "That's that's madness. That's heresy. You're ill. You can't yeah. go around saying things like that." I don't know where you stand on the cage of Superman. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, just to like push it out and make it a bit different, really, but not in a dark or dark sake way. So we could just to explore characters in unique ways rather than just like same kind of bike standards. I mean, Michael Keaton, he's not conventionally handsome. He's just Weird guy with a uh, '80s perm. <laughs> he's, he's brilliant. He's Batman to me, I think, because as a kid he was like that. So we don't know. Like the portrayal probably would have worked, I think. But who knows? I know it's um, one of those things we can we can only wonder. I think the closest we got um, a Teen Titans cartoon not too long ago had him voice Superman. So oh, I think yeah. that's the. Uh, sort of closest that we've been as well um but i always love reading about the um the roles that he nearly got but uh didn't go through with or someone else was cast um yeah. and, and I, I don't know if you if you're aware of some of these that two of my favorites to bring up is one he was almost aragorn in lord of the rings which i think would have just flipped the script entirely yeah it would have definitely like added like I did a, a weirder element to it because I'm just picturing like season the witch how he looked there, and uh, basically, um, you, yeah, of course, he's in season the witch, but it was uh, him and Ron Perlman playing seem like LA detectives while everyone else is doing like British accents. It's just them like smirking at each other like a buddy cop movie. <laughs> uh, that could have been Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, I mean Peter Jackson as sort of visionary as he is, also what a missed opportunity. For the, yeah. for the for the real cage fans out <laughs> yeah. there, I mean, they, I think he was he was almost Neo in the Matrix as well. He turned down Shrek um, before Mike Myers got the role. Yeah, um, which Neo Cage of Shrek would have been. Yeah, because yeah, there's some Matrix when he was jumping off the building. I was just thinking about Matrix as well. I, I feel like throughout this movie, I was just thinking of better movies, but. Uh, <laughs> quite like uh, jumping off the building with his long uh, black coat. That's quite matrix. Yeah, I think. I mean, hopefully, maybe we'll um, we'll get some some cage in the new Matrix film. But I'm I'm very selfish in the uh, in the sense that I want to see Nicolas Cage in literally everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I I always put it sort of as, um, with the films that he does. There's this there's two types. There's a Nicolas Cage film. And there's a film that Nicolas Cage is in. Um, yeah. and, I th- and I think City of Angels definitely falls into that um, into that category. One of my um, sort of favourite reviews, because I'm always, I think it's always interesting to know what critically people thought of it as well. Um, yeah. There was a reviewer for the New York Times called Stephen Holder. And the, the key aspect of his review was that he, um, and bearing in mind, it was supposed to see Nicholas Cage exploring humanity and this all these themes of free will for the first time. His takeaway was that Nicholas Cage 
more resembled a serial killer than an angel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Just smelling hair, a lot of touching. Um, I mean, oh, I don't really get the uh, the scene where Meg Ryan and uh, Nicholas Cage kiss and it got really weird. Like, what? Do you have a bad taste or? <laughs> I like looked at him and then it was really awkward and then then she left and then I don't, I don't know. Do you remember that bit? Yeah, it was his obsession with her. I mean, weird enough. Um, when I mean they've not even broken up. He basically says that oh, like I I can't be with you because he hasn't told her he's an angel at this point. And then he peeps on her in the bathtub, um, and he's all he's all like sad and doing his little creepy peeps. Um, and then when he um, when he jumps off the building after being told by Nathaniel, it's like oh yeah, basically you just literally fall off of a thing and then you wake up and he's ha- it's it's like the most arty thing the film did was when they had these uh black and white scenes yeah <laughs> of him thinking about hair and smells and um on all of sure. all of his peeps but yeah i think you know when you when you wake up as a human and you're like oh i can't i mean pros i've got pairs now cons yeah. i can't peep anymore yeah yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, that's all he was known for, his peeping. Like, because uh, he was quite, you know, as an angel, you get the powers of wisdom and language and stuff like that. It's like, I mean, how much did he lose of that? Because he didn't understand those Chinese women, but surely, like, no. his intact, and stuff like that. his memories are intact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think he, he still has all his memories of what he did. He, he goes to the beach at the end and he's like, oh, I, I can't see the angels, but... Um, I know, I know what they're like, and I know that they're all they're all peeping at me. Because yeah, yeah. with the angels peeping, I might say me personally, I'm um, not sort of a, a believer in angels or the great beyond or anything like that. But there was at least a few minutes in the film where I kind of had, felt I had to look over my shoulder. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, what if, what yeah. if, like, and the things they would have peeped, you know, when you go up to the pearly gates, you'd have. I mean, if you die and then you wake up wherever it is, and the first thing you see is Nicolas Cage clad in black, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Wasp King has come for me. Um, yeah. I suppose, I suppose you'd have questions, but he, as he says to that girl at the start, um, they ask them what their what their favorite thing was when they when they're alive. So if that if that Nicolas Cage takes your hand, he's leading you into the bright lights. Like, what's your favorite thing? Uh, what what was your answer have to be to that? Oh gosh, what a question! Um, uh, pajamas, no. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Endeavour on ITV4. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'll know the true answer when Nicholas Cage takes my hands, and I'll tell him then. That's yeah. a pop out answer, but that's all I'm giving. <laughs> hey, that's that's fine. It's a it's a big question, big question yeah. to throw at you in a Nicholas Cage podcast. I mean, even for myself, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer it because of me being the fanboy that I am, I would just be like, it's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if it was him there, girl, I go, you're here, you. So, oh. I was like, this is, <laughs> this is actually uh, ended up quite well for me. So I'm, I'm into that. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe I could, I could get an autograph as well. That'd be really nice. But I mean, it's, it seems like the angels all had like a really, uh, really simplistic nice existence of observing humans and their antics when I kind yeah. of thought like 
being an angel, he just listened to the music on the beach. He put like a nice reassuring hand on shoulders every now and then. I imagine if like you could actually live at center parks, that's what it would be like. Just that, <laughs> yeah. that, that Nottingham euphoria that comes with a, that comes with center parks. Um, but what, what you were saying um, earlier as well about when they, when he's chased, well, somehow tracked her down, um, he's had to navigate highways and the bus system and hitchhiking with truckers. And yeah. he somehow, somehow found her inexplicably in, I think it was Lake Tahoe. And then he's sort of fallen down at the door and then they have their, um, their kiss, like typically in front of the log fire. And then <laughs> yeah. there's, there's also, um, also like, like that, the, the touching and, and, uh, and the feeling and it's, and then it's just like, oh, like, how does that feel? And then I think his only frames of reference at the moment are like Pears and Hemingway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that, so then he's 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 free willed his way right to it, and he's just like, oh, warm, which is. Yeah. I'm which picturing is like, like cups on each ball because she does one. Right <laughs> <laughs> <But> now. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're both they're both kind of like lent back like probably on bent knees they're like lent back in front of the log fire they've i mean from what we can tell from below the camera shot they've angled themselves inside of each other apparently the cupping each other or feeling each other out um yeah. i mean considering he's been a human for maybe two days at that point what an intro <laughs> yeah he's doing all right i mean like yeah it seemed a bit of like a hassle getting there you know, the rain and then your shoes being stolen uh, and then straight to like, yeah, sex time. So he's, he's done well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's gone from being like the um, the all-holy virgin in the form of an angel to having Meg Ryan take his virgin in less than 48 hours. Um, I mean, I, and again, I don't wish to get too crude, but for his first time, um, guy's got stamina. I'll give him that. I was thinking that, yeah, because I was thinking about the uh, Forrest Gump scene of um, him cooking a breast and then uh, uh, expressing himself in his underwear afterwards. So uh, it's like, yeah, for yeah, for a guy's first time, first experience of anything, uh, especially in those regions, so he, he's he's done well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, us at one point, yeah, and you just know that off-camera Cassiel was just smiling for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. He's got a very uh, interesting smile. I mean, I don't, and, and this is the kind of thing I've ended up noticing going through so many films at this point. But and then he's after that they've got they've had a lovely lake view, um, Mister and Mrs. Plate. After he lies about his name, he's like, what's your name, Seth? What's your last name, Uh, Plate? The first <laughs> thing that he can see. Um, then he's clearly taken in a, a, a lovely hot shower, which I think we can all agree, lovely hot shower. Sometimes it's just nice to sort of bask in it and let it wash over you um there was definitely for a second um a side view of his hog um <laughs> his angel hog was there um the question is is that genuine cage hog is that um prop hog um i don't know how much prop hogs cost to make but you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm imagining the few like just like lying around well, to be there it's why it's like you never know when you might need a when you might need a hog on hog on set. <laughs> yeah. I say that having never been in a film, um, but that's that's just how committed to these roles that he is. Um, yeah, hundred percent. 
speaking of his sort of commitment as well, a bit, bit more broadly speaking, um, it turns out he actually won an award for this film, believe oh, wow. it or not. Um, <laughs> for a period of time, for in the 90s through to, I think, sort of the, the tw- early 2000s, uh, Blockbuster had their own entertainment awards where they, <laughs> they basically had a subcategory for everything. Um, yeah. And Nicolas Cage actually won the favourite actor in a drama or romance for his portrayal as Seth in City of Angels. I wonder what, who he beat for that. That's an interesting question, actually, and I'd sort of have to uh, have to look that up. But um, <laughs> from what from what I've seen, and again, this sort of just goes into um, just looking into a bunch of Cage films as it stands, um, a load of different awards that you've never heard of um, all exist, weirdly enough. <laughs> and with the Blockbuster Awards as well, and I think this must speak about Nicholas Cage's um, proficiency. He has actually won the most blockbuster awards in the uh, in the six year stretch that it ran for from or seven year ninety five to two thousand and one. He'd won one the, the the year before. He's won like best duo or best yeah. actor sort of here and there. Um, like, like part of me doesn't want to think that they've just kind of made awards up. Um, no, 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 it's prestigious, of course. I mean, it probably is based on sales and some of that. So, like, it's quite like a marketable person, especially in the nineties era. Definitely. I mean, just looking now, um, he beat out, um, and it wasn't a big category. There was only a choice of three, but he beat out Harry Connick Jr. for Hope Floats and Robert Redford for The Horse Whisperer. So, um, very packed field. Oh, he also, oh, that was the year he also won Favourite Actor for a Suspense Film in Snake Eyes. So he, uh, he did the double at the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards that year. Well, the coveted uh, double Blockbuster. <laughs> the double Buster. Uh, yeah. v- very big year in 98. Um, yeah. And we have uh, oh, Bruce Willis as well. He won Best Actor for a Sci-Fi Film in Armageddon. So <laughs> um, th- when I was there you watching City of Angels, well, I, I kept having the Armageddon sloppy song not the uh, Google Google Dolls one, so I, I found that quite confusing. But uh, when it came on, uh, I, I had chills because I was just wearing a vest and it was quite cold. <laughs> By a special moment, maybe it was like an angel passing through me as well at the same time. Yeah, it's just like don't mind me enjoying the film. I just went uh, straight out, comforting you through these two hours. Um, yeah. But yeah, but mentioning Google Dolls as well. I mean this. Um, and I don't know if it was sort of um, systemic, really, of 90s films, but this was definitely a soundtrack film as yeah. well. Um, because every every other 20 minutes, there was a different song. Looking at the soundtrack list, there was uh, Goo Goo Dolls, U2, Peter Gabriel, um, Alanis Morissette as well with Uninvited, which she actually picked up a uh, Golden Globe nomination for Best Original Song. Uninvited sounds even more because he's just like creeping on people and touching people and staring at people. <laughs> it's uninvited, but I feel like it's not anything to do with like the implications that he, what he's up to. Yeah, I mean, you, you're very right. If there was ever an apropos, apropos song for this, uh, it was uninvited. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think where, where Alanis Morissette came on. I think it could have been, uh, it might have been a credit song. Um, but no, we had Feel in Love by Paula Cole, 
um, when he was watching her take a bath, um, which was just seemed like a, a, just a very hornier version of paranormal activity. Um, <laughs> we had um, Peter Gabriel towards the end. I noticed as well, Maggie was listening to uh, Jimi Hendrix when she was doing heart surgery yeah, yeah. at the start. Um, so I sort of brought up the lyrics for that when I was watching it because I know sometimes um, when they purposely put books into films or songs, maybe like the context of the book or the lyrics directly play into a theme or something. Um, from my brief scan over Red House, it's just concerning Hendrix's girlfriend locking him out of the house. And at the end, he surmises that, well, I'll go sleep with your sister instead. So, <laughs> um, yeah. there you so, have it. So, Hendrix, maybe maybe Cassiel was thinking, well, well, if you're going to go peep on her, I'll go peep on someone myself and <laughs> yeah. go sit on a skyscraper or sit on an airplane. Um, yeah. Goo Goo Dolls Iris, as he got his uh, shoes stolen and then he was trekking his way to find uh, Maggie. And then towards the end, I grieve by Peter Gabriel as he's um, wearing double denim, buying pairs and just tearfully uh tuck it into a few pairs yeah, as well my shoulders over while just looking at the supermarket for a bit that was a that was a good good choice by him <laughs> i mean i sort of remember um so the first time he goes in is like oh i've got to uh, pick up a basket i've got to put things in i mean one as far as we're aware unless maggie somehow left him in an off left him money in an off-screen will he has no income he has no job as an angel he technically doesn't exist There'll be no birth certificate. Yeah, Seth Plate has no identity at all. <laughs> That's the, the mystery yeah. of Plate. Yeah, uh, Mr. Messenger. Yeah, and unless Nathaniel Messenger can sort him out because he's been through the same thing. He's gone through the marriage process in yeah. America, so he would have had to provided something. So, right. Would you like to see a sequel to this? <sighs> well, there, there was one for the German film. To this one... Um, I get you get the little hints because Nathaniel is like, oh yeah, there's more of us out there. They sort of just keep their heads down. You'll never really notice that they're there. So there's, I guess, the stories to be told. Um, I think for the German sequel, it did actually focus on Cassiel. So I think in that one, he wasn't really um, sort of all that interested. He's more of a passive observer about um, what Cage. Or, well, or the German cage, I should say, was up to. Um, and then he, I'm trying to think what the film was called. Let me see. It was called uh, Far Away So Close in 1993. Um, so Cassiel chooses not to become human uh, and then does become human, but gets involved in a criminal enterprise that threatens his friends. So it, oh, it man, just... better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yeah, if we, if we could have got the Captain Holt spin-off with him in a in a German um, CD nineties crime flick, yeah. I think there was a, a there was gold to be mined. <laughs> I suppose with that in mind, though, would you would you have been up for um, City of Angels too? This time it's Angelia. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of a City Stickers too. What was the uh, was there a hyphen for that? No, I'm not sure. I can't think now. I would have liked to have seen a um, team up with Nicolas Cage and then John Travolta as Michael uh, and then some yes. sort of angel kind of sequel. I don't know how to <laughs> say that just yet because I don't really remember Michael either. Just John Travolta having wings. 
and something to do with like a, a massive elastic bang ball. Yeah, it's, it seems there's a lot of uh, angel films seem to be quite popular in the mid nineties. Um, Travolta as Michael with a bit of a curly, um, like Andre Rowe mullets kind of thing as well. Um, I was just looking up as well. City Slickers to the Legend of Curly's Gold. Oh, um, there we are. <laughs> City of Angels to the Legend of uh, Cassiel's Crime. Yeah, yeah. maybe. So, um, <laughs> Hollywood, if you're listening, I'm, I'm right here right here to pitch with you. you know, I think it, it, the, the way it ends as well, I think it's meant, meant to give you the uh, a good feeling, I think. Um, obviously, as yeah. we touched upon at the start, um, Cage has been a human, I mean, if we give it broadly, maybe a week tops. Yeah. At that point, he's discovered pears. Um, he's somehow been clothed and fed. He's uh, lost his virginity. Very eventful first five days on the planet by anyone's standards. Um, and then Maggie's having the best time in the world, cycling down a beautiful highway, lovely scenery everywhere. And then she's apparently going at 100 miles an hour, plows into the side of um, a logging truck and dies, um, which in terms of... Uh, I don't know your thoughts on this, but in terms of sudden, I can't help and but say I kind of had to laugh because it came out of nowhere. Yeah, just like it was properly daft, and there's no like symbolism or anything like that. It's just like it's just like she was the way she was apologizing. It was like yeah, because you kind of closed your eyes and like, went into like ongoing traffic instead of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you weren't wearing a helmet um and i mean the truck couldn't have been pulling out like if it was like a sudden thing and like a, a car hit her from the side then you'd be like oh okay i mean it's sudden it's a thing that can happen but the yeah. truck was pulling out quite slowly i mean the front of the truck was red and white and i, I swear for a second i thought it was the coca-cola truck that um <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was the same truck that picked up Nicholas Cage, and I was like, oh, "That's oh, that's really stupid." If it was, <laughs> the dog just popped up. Yeah, um, maybe if it was the dog that was driving, and he was actually the sudden twist, he was actually the devil. Because if, yeah, says if heaven exists in this realm, then in theory, maybe hell would exist as well. Yeah, you don't have to think just for the um, sequel's sake, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. If yeah. we talked about City of Angels too, the legend of Cassiel's crime, then. <laughs> we have to start building up the devil. If it was the devil dog, the only way that would have worked for me is if he pulled out, um, sort of turned it a little bit into Meg Ryan, but then he would have had to have winked at the camera. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's the make or break for me, a wink at the camera. <laughs> yeah. That way it kind of sets up for the revenge as well, so, and the sequel. So. So, I mean, um, kind of like push down your throats, like better to love and last than never love before. It's like... Uh, yeah, kind of get that. Yeah, I mean, you might as well just said it really out loud and then ended the film. <laughs> yeah, again, just another look straight down the barrel of the lens. It's better to have loved and lost than have never loved at all. Credits. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so, um, then, yeah, it's deep. Well done, good. Yeah, and then I would have applauded the bold storytelling and the vision yeah, yeah. <laughs> for that film. Um, yeah, then and then and then obviously he's, he's lost Meg. We don't know if he'll ever love again. We don't know what his employment or life situation will be. Um, but then he he um, he has to live in a world where he can't huff her hair anymore. He can't peep anymore without repercussions. Um, I think for an angel, what kind of a life is that? 
Yeah. And, and then he, um, he he goes back to the beach, uh, takes his shoes off, throws himself in the ocean. Um, Cassiel, in terms of smiling as well, he'd lost his mind peeping and laughing at the end there. Yeah, oh, that, was, that was really priceless. Uh, I did enjoy that. <laughs> Quite a while. <laughs> that, that was two hours building up to the big peep. Yeah, yeah. Um, as he's just signing checks for his criminal enterprise off camera. Um, <laughs> and then tying into what uh, the New York Times reviewer said about him looking like a serial killer, when he emerged from the water right at the end and looked straight up, he did look like a maniac. Yeah, definitely. He, he kind of like a cast of Troy on cocaine kind of look about him, which I always appreciate just the end film. And in this case, on that kind of look, he's good. Yeah, any time that there's definitely been some cocaine um, snorted for a, for a scene, because he's he's full method. Yeah. <laughs> and um, if you're trying to sell the transition of angel to human being, uh, then you've got to bring Castor Troy back into the uh, back into the fray. Definitely. Uh, maybe uh, I don't know. One day there'll be a Spider-Man into universe movie where it's just every Nicolas Cage character. Oh, into the cage verse. Yeah. You're throwing a lot of big ideas out there, man. Um, <laughs> City of Angels 2, into the cage verse. And, <laughs> and by my own obligation, I will have to be here for all of them. Yeah, 100%. So yeah. keep them keep them coming. Um, but with all of this, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've traveled through the highs and lows of um, peeping pairs and everything in between. Uh, and I guess in the uh, the Jerry Springer esque your final thoughts moment to to wrap up how how your experience of City of Angels how would you describe it? Uh, it definitely wasn't uh, a great cage, but I, I liked him more of a somber, childlike uh, figure peeping around, uh, pure innocence. If he was an angel, then I'd be quite happy to see him, or just like a gentle tap on my shoulder. It'd be quite lovely, but uh, overall. Yeah, it's very. I don't, I don't know. It's. I, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I I hope we can perhaps bank on one day on the um, Tap Vision presents City of Angels too. Um, yeah. And if you ever start a kickstart for that, consider my support um, thrown into the <laughs> ring. Um, <laughs> wonderful. Look forward to that. Um, see, well, Douglas Tap Vision, I. Thank you sincerely and massively once again for uh, sharing a little bit of your time on this crazy journey I call the uh, journey to true cage nirvana. Um, I hope maybe after this you feel a little bit closer to the angels or happy that you couldn't be further away from them, even though they are still definitely peeping at all of this. Uh, But that, um, that wraps up. This week's episode of Cage Rage and Nicholas Cage podcast. Once again, thank you so much, Well Douglas, for joining me. Um, hope to see you all and uh, have you here in the next one. But until then, keep on, keep on caging. It's all you have to do. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>